today on It's Time. What we find right now is God laying down the law. Now people say, well, how is this relevant? I believe what you're reading will be the law during the millennial reign of Christ. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus chapter 22, Exodus 22, and uh, missed everybody last week, I was in uh, Honolulu, I was uh, speaking at uh, Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor there, and uh, we had a great time, we were looking at things in the Bible called anomalies, and uh, again, I, I think it's really important because, you know, a lot of times we'll look at somebody like Moses, the great deliverer of Israel, But how did he become that great deliverer? The things that he went through in his life to get him to that point where God could actually use him. I think many of us are going through those same things in our life, not because of where we're at right now, but what God is going to use us in the future. And so when we really look at it, you begin to recognize these unusual things that happen. He didn't just turn into this great leader to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he was called by God. But how did God call him? Well, he used the cell phone. He had his number. No, he didn't do that. He spoke to him, got his attention through a burning bush. Now, that's to me a very interesting thing. No doubt he'd probably seen burning bushes in the wilderness before. Lightning hits those plants and they begin to burn. But what caught his attention is it burned and burned and burned, but it didn't burn itself out. That's what caught his attention. He goes over and that's where God spoke to him to take off his shoes. Where he was standing was holy ground. All the way through the Bible, you'll see weird anomalies, but it's how God would get people's attention. You remember the woman at the well? Jesus comes into town and he looks at this woman. He says, woman, give me a drink. And she says to Jesus, you being a Jew, ask me for a Samaritan for a drink of water. We don't have dealings one with another. There's a prejudice between us. How is that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink of water? Even she recognized what? The anomaly. The anomaly was that he was a Jew, she was a Samaria or a, a Gentile, and that they didn't converse with one another. All the way through the Bible, you will see anomalies to get people's attention. I was always thinking about the time of the flood. Here's Noah working on a boat for over a hundred years. People coming by saying, hey, Noah, why don't you turn that into a casino? No, I, I mean, I can't imagine the thoughts, the things that people would say to him over a period of time, watching him build a boat out in the middle of nowhere where the Bible said it had never rained before. 
But then what's even weirder is when one day all these weird animals that you haven't seen before start showing up and they start getting on this boat. See, to me, that's an anomaly that would command my attention. I would say that is not normal. Well, when you see as a Christian things that don't fit, things that aren't normal, look for God. That's what we talked about last week in Hawaii. Because again, the reason is because again, we need to learn to speak God's language. I believe God speaks to us, not oftentimes the way we want him to. I've had people say to me, oh, would I give for give for a one minute cell phone call to God? That'd be really good. Hey God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Should I move? Should I stay? Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? You know, all these different questions that we have. But how do we then learn the language of God? Or how then do we know when God is trying to get our attention? I believe again, friends, if you do an overall view through the Bible, you will see when things don't fit, there is a reason. And that's to get our attention because otherwise we would miss it. So really, I believe as it says in the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the things I have to do then is I have to be aware of how God will get my attention to do his will. So once again, you always want to be looking for things that don't fit normal. Now, we've been going through the book of, we've been going through the Bible. We are currently in the book of Exodus chapter 22. Now in this that we're reading, what you find, people say, Mike, how is the Old Testament even relevant to 21st century American, 21st century Christians, and uh, being a New Testament church in every way? The Bible says, you as his bride will rule and reign with him on this earth. That's what the Bible says. Now, yeah, I know we're going to have that new Jerusalem. What's beyond the stars? Gee, dad, can I take the Galactica out tonight? That'll flash back for some of you. But anyway, what's beyond the stars? God's going to show us. God's going to show us his greatness in everything. But for a thousand years, the Bible says we will rule and reign with him on this earth. Now, you've got to remember, you're administrators of God's justice on this earth. Now, even though, if you study your Bible, you'll find Satan was bound for almost a thousand years during the millennial reign of Christ, we are still dealing with something on this earth that Jesus said must be corrected, and that is, you must be born again. So even though, remember, even though we're in a millennial reign of Christ with Jesus reigning over the earth, perfect world, perfect environment, perfect food, perfect government, perfect, perfect, perfect. We still, the world will be dealing, you as Christians, you as administrators of God's law on this earth, people with an old sin nature. That old sin nature that oftentimes many of our philosophers and our psych classes in college try to deny. You may try to deny it as well. But Jesus said it is so bad and so rotten, you must be born again, he says in John chapter 3. Why is that? There is something inherently wrong that we inherited from Adam and Eve in the garden. And friends, we see it all the time. 
You open your newspaper, you can see it everywhere, this old sin nature. Now, in chapter 22, what we find right now is God laying down the law. Now, people say, well, how is this relevant? I believe what you're reading will be the law during the millennial reign of Christ. In other words, God doesn't change. People say, well, how will God judge the world someday? You have a Bible. That's how he's going to judge the world. That's why the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So the Bible is the standard in which God will judge the world someday. And if God's going to judge the world someday from this book, and you are administrators of his righteousness here on this earth, how important it is for number one, you to know it. Number two, you to live in it. Now, again, Jesus said all the law that we're reading about, the prophets, everything, Ten Commandments, hang upon two commandments that Jesus gave. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say keep the Ten Commandments, friends. He said, keep my commandments. What is God's commandments? Well, we know the Ten But they were summarized, really, in what Jesus said. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. For he said, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. So really, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal from him. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to be taking advantage of him. Well, how can I do that with an old sin nature? It's pretty hard to do, ain't it? You need to be born again. And here's why. Because when you become born again... You can truly say, our Father, which art in heaven, my Daddy in heaven, who's going to take care of me so I don't have to steal from you. That's how it changes. See, it isn't just a perspective change. It's being born again, being adopted into God's family, and that allows us to go to heaven. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, cause us to become aware of your presence in our life, and that nothing as your child comes to us by accident, but by divine appointment. And so as we read these words today, may you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, he says this, if a man steals an ox, okay, hold it right there. If a man steals an ox, I don't know that probably any of you in this room had your ox stolen this week. No? Okay. Well, never mind. Just mark it out with your felt marker. We don't need it. No, no, no. It's talking about anything that anybody steals from you. You see, you've got to understand that even during the millennial reign of Christ, Satan's locked up. People that you, the the people who did not take the mark of the beast, that go into the millennial reign of Christ, we will be ruling and governing over, making sure that all things work the way they're supposed to. If anybody steals, this goes back to that old sin nature. Man, I'll tell you, we got one. And I'll tell you something, your kids have got one too. Yeah, you know what's interesting about children. Have you ever noticed that? You see, they're not real polished in hiding the old sin nature yet. You'll go into the kitchen, and you see where they pulled out the little drawers in the kitchen cabinets, their little stairway to heavenly cookies. 
And you walk in and you'll say, what are you doing? And then we'll look at you with all sincerity and go, nothing. Now, there are certain foods that I have found are better at revealing the Olson nature than others. Chocolate chip cookies are one of the more better telltale signs that your kids have been where they haven't and not supposed to have been. Because little chocolate melts, it's all over their face. And they got all over their fingers. The little drawers are all pulled out. Bags are torn. And they go, nothing? Really? You see, they haven't learned yet how to hide their old sin nature. And the old sin nature manifests in different ways, different times, almost continually in, in a child's life. Because again, like I say, they are working on the deception of hiding an old sin nature. And this is one of the great problems that we find in our world today. The old sin nature is just tamped down. But friends, it's still there in people. That's why the Bible says we need to pray about everything. Now, I want to take people at their word. I like to take people at their word. I'm an old folksy kind of guy, you know, raised by my, my parents from Idaho. I, you know, all those things. I, I, I like the handshake deal, but I have found don't let the handshake and the smile fool you. Smiling faces tell lies. That's one of the problems. And kids are really good at it. And you got to remember... The old sin nature can be summarized in a very simple term. Self-preservation. Self-preservation. Now, that means I'm going to be watching out for number one. Now, when we become a Christian, God then watches out for you and me, which frees me up to be about my father's business. I can truly call him my father because I'm his child. I have a daddy that watches over me who's going to provide for me, you, all the things we need to live for him. That's a great thing, friends. But if we forget that, we snap back into the self-preservation mode. Now, I'm really amazed because, again... Um, if you want to know what it's like, if you're around children, you have children, um, you want to be reminded maybe why you don't want children, I don't know. But they have, we have concepts that are so weird. Now, again, uh, when you're traveling, I, I remember when I was a kid, we, we grew up in, in a time when there were no laws concerning children. Uh, you, there was no seatbelts. Uh, I don't know if you remember like 57 Ford station wagons, 56 Ford Chevys. You know, you could fold the seats down and the whole back of the station wagon. That's a weird word, isn't it? Station wagon. Anyway, SUV. Anyway, whatever you want to call it. But the, the seat would fold down flat and it was just all metal. No seatbelts. See, the government's trying to help you moms and dads separate your children. They strap them in their seat with belt buckles and everything like that. But back in those days, they didn't do that. And so it was just a free-for-all back there. You know, you could pull your sister's hair, whatever. You could fight. You're, you're doing all this stuff. Your parents are screaming at you to stop fighting. You didn't care because they were driving. They couldn't get you. And then dad slam on the brakes. And then you would slide right up to the front seat. And then you find this big hairy arm come around and grab you by the head and grab you and start backing you around. I remember, true story, I don't think I've ever shared this. We're going up Whittier Boulevard in California. 
A cop pulls my mother over for attempted drunk driving. He says, have you been drinking? She says, no. He goes, why were you driving the way you were driving? She says, I was reaching over the back seat trying to correct my children. The cop says, I completely understand and let her go. She was doing one of these things. But you got to remember, see, in children, in the old sin nature, we have a different perspective of self-preservation than somebody else. See, remember, so then the, the, you know, the, the back went up and then the seats came back. We had to sit in. Then there was the imaginary line that went down between the seats. Remember that? He's touching me. He's touching me. See, in your mind, the line on the seat that separates her side from your side was this wide. That line in your mind was real wide. So see, I could reach way over before I ever crossed the line. But my sister's perspective was a razor blade line. You cross that line, I have a right to pull your hair. This is just the way it works. The old sin natures. And we get better at hiding it as we get older. Now, God knows how to flush that out. And when we read these laws, especially as we've already read the Ten Commandments, but now we find more of a zoom in, if you will, on on uh, moral restraint, on on uh, on uh, you know making things right when something goes wrong. So that's what we find. If a man steals an ox or a sheep or a Corvette and slaughters it. Cuts it up, sells it on the internet. I'm sorry, you know what I'm saying. If he steals an ox, a sheep, and slaughters it, or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for ox, four sheep, for sheep. So, 500% punishment. If you get caught, see, the thing is, if you cut it up and you're trying to sell it, that shows you did it on purpose. It wasn't an oopsie, gee, I was just really hungry, I needed something to eat, so therefore, I took your sheep, I cut it up, and ate it. No, you, you, were, you were racketeering here. This is what you were doing. And so, you got punished. Now, here's why this is important. And you can see the difference between maybe where we're at governmentally today and versus where the people of Israel were uh, back in the time of Moses. By taking a thief, putting him in prison, they are not producing anything, are they? No. In fact, they become, you, all of us, have to pay for them to be in prison. I I forget, I was reading in some states, it costs like $90,000 per inmate to keep them in prison. I often wonder, couldn't you just go to the thief and say, hey, listen, here's $75,000, keep out of trouble. You just saved us all, you know, 20,000 bucks a year. Uh, Just a thought. But no, the problem is, is that God knew that. So what he did then is he says, you get caught doing this, it's going to cost you. And so that's the way it was. It was a 400% on sheep, 500% on oxen. Why was it more for oxen than sheep? Because oxen were generally used 
for plowing fields. So you took somebody's oxen, it'd be like stealing their tractor if you were a farmer. Now a sheep, yeah, you might not get the wool, you might not get the lamb chops, but the thing is, it wouldn't stop your operation of farming. But somebody steal your ox, they just stole your John Deere, and it's pretty bad. So you could starve. So that's why the penalty was more. Verse 2, if a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. Stand your ground law. That's where it came from right here. Isn't that amazing? Somebody's breaking in your house and, and you whack them with a frying pan and they die. No harm, no foul. They shouldn't have been there. Now, see, we're having a lot of that. You, you see, I, I, again, I, I think maybe next, not next Sunday, but maybe the Sunday after. I, I, I'm, well, I'll, I'll, I'll surprise you all with what we'll do. But we're, we're going to get really, really relevant, okay? But the point is, is that there's probably not one aspect in our newspapers today that the Bible doesn't have something right now pointed to say about it and where the amiss has come from and why we're in the problems that we're in. You see, in other words, our jails are overcrowded because people that steal, but rather than making them pay and correct this, they become then wards of the state, which we all have to support. Then you find this here, somebody breaking in, all these different things. Now, let's go to verse 3. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold as a thief, sold, he shall be sold as himself uh, they, in other words, he's going to be auctioned off. If you don't have anything, if you're stealing and you get caught and you don't have anything, the only thing you can do to make the restitution is for six years you sold yourself into slavery. Let me tell you, a lot of our theft in this country would be a new thing. I don't know if you saw it in the newspaper the last couple of days was the Bastion grab. They just go into a store with sledgehammers and they break everything they hold everybody at gunpoint they steal all the jewels they steal all the it happened to a home depot or a lowe's or something like that somewhere in california and they they just go in and ransack the place see i i don't know that that's a different world than i think most of us are used to and, and so here you find the same thing if they get caught and they don't have anything to pay back they themselves then sell themselves into slavery for six years that's what it's talking about if the theft is certainly found alive a, a in his hand whether an ox or a donkey or a sheep he shall restore double so in other words if he didn't cut it up he, he wasn't trying to sell it on eBay um, or to his next door neighbors or something like that. Uh, he would only have to pay 200% restitution, not 500%. Why is that? Because when he cut the animal up and was trying to sell it, it showed the real motive. Where a person that maybe took it, maybe took it foolishly or whatever, he, his, his punishment was not as much as it would have been. It was only double. Verse 5. If a man causes a field or a, virgin, a, a vineyard to be grazed, 
He lets loose his animal and it feeds on another man's field. He shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. So basically this kind of goes back to the eye for eye, tooth for tooth. If your cow gets loose, goes into somebody else's, or you did it on purpose. Hey, you know, our field's kind of scanty right now. Let it go over and hit uh, our next door neighbors. Well, if you get caught doing that, that's not good. It says if he breaks out and catches in thorns, so uh, that uh, sack grain, standing grain, the field is consumed. He who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. This is talking about vandalism. People that burn somebody else's stuff down, he's going to make restitution. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it's stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he had his hand in the neighbor's goods disappearance. Hey, I'm going to go. I I want you to take care of this. Take care of this for me. I'll come back in a month and I'll get it from you. And a guy comes back and he says, where's my thing? And the guy goes, "Uh, it's gone. What happened to it? Oh, it got stolen. It did. Okay. Did you find the thief that did it? If you did, that's one issue. If you didn't, now we have another issue because this guy could have kiped your goodies and said that somebody else stole it, but they're really in his basement. See the thing? Oh, this see what I see here? I see that Olson nature. How clever it is. And here the Bible, here God is trying to address those different chocolate chip cookies all over your child's face. To make sure that you're not part of the scam. You're not part of what's really happening here. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.